Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field. Instead of having the question of the week this week, I'd like to share with you some of the stuff that Janine and I learned uh, just a few weeks ago when we traveled out to Maryland. Uh, Maryland Department of Ag has some of the strictest farm regulations pretty much in the state or in the United States. They're kind of the top shelf, I guess you would say, as far as looking at uh, Department of Ag's that are regulating the farm industry that they're working in. Of course, it's all about the Chesapeake Bay and trying to clean the Chesapeake Bay up. So they have some of the strictest rules to begin with. And as I've been paying attention and watching this, and I've most of you know I've been out and did a number of meetings in the Chesapeake Bay over the years and follow that area fairly close because of the dissolved oxygen and algae problems that they have in the bay. And uh, hard effort for the last 20 years trying to clean that up. We have a, a family, the husband and wife team that come out to Corn College every year, uh, Keith and Susan Leverton, who uh, farm out there and they share their experiences with us every time they come out and I express with them the interest that we have in understanding the regulation they have to farm under and what it all takes because here as a consulting company uh, if that were to come here, how do we have to change our customer uh, attitude? How do we have to change our business? How many people would it take to help you guys farm under that kind of regulation as far as how many people would we have to have staffed here at CropTech to make all this come together? Um, Keith and Susan invited us out a number of times, and we were able to uh, take them up on that here a couple weeks ago, and they were hosting us uh for the weekend and did some amazing things for us as far as set up some appointments. Uh, Keith set up some appointments with the Department of Ag and neighboring farmers as well as his nutrient plan writer so we could get a first-hand uh, take on the whole thing. So we first, as we got out there on Friday, we met with the Department of Ag. We met with the Secretary of Ag for Maryland, Joe, and his employees, a great bunch of guys. Uh, they actually took the time to answer Every question that we could throw at them, they were an open book. And Dwight, the nutrient program administrator, is also a dairy farmer himself. So you could feel these guys really had the interest of the farmer at hand, but at the same time, as legislation had handed down laws to them, their job is to implement it. So they're doing about everything they could to implement it as farmer-friendly as possible and still get that job done. And and it was a, you know, a, a pretty open book as far as any question we asked they were they were willing to give us what they could on it itself and situation where you know as we talked about plans and who needs a nutrient plan in maryland it's pretty stringent if your gross income from farming is twenty five hundred dollars or more or eight animal units so our small operation our cow calf operation that Jeannie and i have on 11 acres would qualify for a nutrient management plan how, how long's a plan? Basically, a plan can be from one to three years. Sound like most of them are probably one-year plans, and they're being rewritten on a yearly basis because of changing in crop rotation and things like that. Who can write a plan? Um, well, you can get the plan free from the extension. Uh, it, there's a grant from the EPA to, to get the extension to write some of these plans, and they're free. They're the ones that take the most time. You got to get yourself an appointment and you've got to have these plans in play before you start the season. So um, there's no excuse for not having a plan. So if you go the free route, you just got to make sure that you uh, 
get your appointments and you get all your your work done ahead of time. You can get certified to write your own plan, kind of like a CCA, I guess, so that you would say here in the state, you can get certified to write your own plan and go take a test to be certified. Or you can hire a third party to write that plan uh, for you so you can have plan writers. The plan dictates what you can do. Uh, you must account for all sources of nutrients. So that's your fertilizer, the manure you would buy or have, and even the cover crops. So the cover crops aren't a freebie. You have to account for the nitrogen that would be in that cover crop itself. Rates are set by your soil test values and your yield history. So you can take 10 years of yield history. You can throw out your three worst years, and then you're going to have to average the other seven. And for instance, if that was 180 bushel corn, then the maximum nitrogen you comply is 180 pounds of ant. No fertilizer or manure can be applied from about December 15th to March 1. So a situation where they're trying to protect the frozen ground issues and all that kind of stuff. So you've got a kind of a moratorium on when you can actually make that application. You're allowed to go over by 10 pounds. So if you had a 180 pound plan on nitrogen, you could... Uh, bump up to 190 but you couldn't go any higher than that and you probably wouldn't want to do it on every field the way it sounds if phosphorus is too high on your plan uh, in your, on your soil you have to run the phosphate nutrient management tool and that starts to look at the rustle and and all different types of things from an erosion perspective and you starts to bring in buffers and how big those buffers have to be and that type of thing. So it does get a lot more complicated uh, with high phosphate. So like most of Maryland though does fall under that high phosphate ruling. Used to have a phosphate index. Now basically it's the phosphate uh, nutrient or management tool that they have to work with. The Maryland Department of Ag audits about 20% of the growers on the, in Maryland a year. So if you want to think of this kind of like a tax auditor, as far as when they pick you for a random audit, uh, you must then prove that you followed your plan. So to prove that, you're going to have to have receipts, records of application, and prove that you've actually uh, followed the plan that you that you had there. If you're out of compliance, um, you'll get mandatorily audited the next year. So situation, they're going to come back and see if you fix that problem. They have the authority to take away subsidies and issue fines uh, if you're not uh, getting yourself in line with the plan and where it should be. So there's kind of six steps. One is to get the plan, find somebody to write it for you or get certified. Then you need to, step two is update that plan before it expires. Sounds like that's more trouble that they run into than anything else. Uh, step three is you got to have accurate records. You have to prove um, what you actually did. So we're talking about receipts and stuff like that. Shoebox probably isn't going to work. Uh, four, of course, you got to implement the plan. It's a situation where you got to go out there and actually implement that plan and put it in place. Step five is you have to keep your application voucher up to date. So if you're putting on more than 10 acres of fertilizer yourself, then you're going to have to be certified and you're going to keep that certification up. Step six is you have to file an implementation report. They call it the ARIs by March 1, which says, here was my plan, now here's what I actually did, and send that in uh, to be inspected. They're going to look those over to decide um, if they're if you belong in a target audit. Otherwise, they random audit you, but if your uh, implementation plan has some flaws in it, then you probably would get moved to the top of the pile. Uh, 
In 2017, they audited 1,016 farms. 61% were in compliance. Another 20% had a plan, but it was out of date. So basically kind of roundabout, about 82% of the farms were in compliance to some extent, uh, but some of them just let their plans uh, expire on them. Now, Keith introduced us to one of his neighbors who was certified to write his own plan, and uh, that's the way he preferred it, so he could uh, take care of his own uh, certification and that type of thing, as well as a neighbor who used the extension uh, to write a free plan, and he too uh, talked about timing. So situation there backed up a lot of the time, so you have to be on the ball to get that done. We sat down with Keith and Susan's uh, nutrient planner that they paid to write that nutrient plan. So be a little bit like what we do as far as writing your nutrient plan, but you would sit down and load this into what they call the NUMA software, the nutrient management software, and you're kind of forced step-by-step step to make decisions within that software itself. But he went through the detailed process and the software uh, to get a nutrient plan in place and uh, believe me it was it was a pretty detailed for each field as far as all the components that would go into it and in his case like a good tax auditor I guess or tax accountant um, if and when you get audited uh, his customers uh, he would he would sit through the audit with you to help answer questions with the auditor as far as how things were put where and uh, verify you know some of the things that were done in the plan if they weren't followed specifically due to weather conditions or something like that typically he'd have notation on it itself so the takeaway though is record keeping definitely would be a necessity you can have a digital copy but you better have a paper backup as well uh, the, the excuse that dog ate my homework isn't going to work uh, in this situation because of the restrictions, calibration of equipment would be a necessity. You don't want to run out there with an anhydrous applicator, for instance, and over-apply by 30 pounds. That oops doesn't get you anywhere in this program. So you need to be calibrated with your equipment, whether it be dry trucks or fertilizer applicators itself. Yield sets your fertility rates. Basically, those guys are basically garden yield with at all cost. So we think about here, does a fungicide pay, does a pesticide pay, and that type of thing. When they look at it a little bit different, if they can pick up bushels with a fungicide, a insecticide, or manage their weed control better, that all becomes part of building their acre base or their yield base so they can get to a higher nutrient level if they need it itself. So the four R's are crucial because if you have a, an event where you lose a portion of your nitrogen like we sometimes do here with our fall anhydrous, it's too bad. Uh, you don't get extra nitrogen because of the nitrogen that you lost out there. You have to live with the nitrogen they got. So a year like <clears throat> 2015 where we lost so much nitrogen, they don't get an exception on something like that where they can add more nitrogen back thing, back into it. There's some things about the plan that I liked and others not so. If you've been underapplying nitrogen for years, nitrogen could be your limiting factor. And with your yield history setting your uh, end rate, you're kind of stuck. There's no way that you can go forward. There is a provision in there, though, that if you can do qualified research or plot work on your farm and prove that you need more, then they can make some exceptions. But you need that information from your farm, and it needs to be done in the right way. So the neighboring farm isn't going to work. So if you guys that are involved in the crop tech plot trials understand what that works like um, and probably wouldn't have much trouble with it. 
for a lot of you guys, you don't do the plots. You kind of come and, and partake in the plots as your neighbors do them for you and stuff. That wouldn't quite work here. The research would have to be on your own farm to prove that you needed to change a fertility rate accordingly. A lot of the creativity is kind of taken out of writing a nutrient plan. It's kind of lost in there because it's more of a plug and play type situation. Um, you don't get to make some of the decisions that we make today. So it would definitely be crippling from that uh, side of the equation as well. Asking the farmers, you know, what advice could they give the Illinois farmers as far as how things change out there at South? And, and they would say, do everything under your power to stop this from happening, um, you know, as far as you don't want it to get as far as it is for them because it changes the way you farm uh, uh, drastically as far as the, um, you have to be thinking about everything that you're doing out there itself. So Jeannie and I were, were really grateful for everyone out there who took the time in Maryland to help us better understand uh, how, uh, how they operate in a world of regulation. This will help us you know, prepare as your consultant as well as help you if regulation should come to a state near you. The take-home we need... Uh, to think about is we need to do everything in our power to clean up our industry before this happens. Be responsible with things like your fall nitrogen application. Respect your rates. Stop erosion. If you were one of the guys spreading manure last week on six inches of snow, you are part of the problem. Not only are you part of the problem, but when you're spreading on snow, everyone can see it for miles. So you're saying to your neighbors, I am part of the problem and I don't care. It's time for peer pressure, I think. If your neighbor is part of the problem, it's time to have a talk with them before nutrient auditors become a way of life for us here in, in the I states. We can do this. I know we can. There's nothing a farmer can't do when he sets his mind to it. So with that, keep her safe, keep her moving, keep her clean.